accept our offering that's given in faith to be honorable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The ushers, you can receive our tithes and offerings. Good morning. Hey, let's get right into the Word of God. Go to uh, Mark's Gospel, if you would. The uh, 16th chapter and the 15th verse. Mark 16 and 15. We're going to just jump right into the Word of God. This being Mission Sunday. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's known as the Great Commission. Going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. That's the commandment that we all have from the Lord Jesus. He is speaking to his disciples who are a representative group of you and me. Uh, this is not optional. This is something that the Lord has commanded us to do. Now in Romans the 10th chapter in the 13th verse. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verse 14 says, How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings, of good things. And notice again in verse 14 it says, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I want to use as a title this morning, just preaching for a few minutes about this subject. What about those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? What about those who have never heard the gospel? Of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been in numerous conversations over the years with people, talking to them about the Lord. And so many times they'll ask me, What about those who have never heard about Jesus? And this question is typically asked as a diversion to try to excuse oneself from making a decision for Jesus Christ. You know, you're talking to somebody about the Lord and they'll say, well, 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 wait, wait a minute. What about all those people who've never heard about Jesus? And again, that question is typically asked by someone who's trying to get out of making a decision for the Lord. It is also typically asked to imply the quote-unquote injustice of God. Is not God, now listen to this, it's not God's injustice or lack of fairness we need to be concerned about as he is not unjust or unfair, but rather his justice and fairness that should concern us. His justice and fairness demands a payment for sin, a payment which cannot be paid by the sinner. God's just and fair requirements can only be met by the Savior, Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross, and His shed blood and resurrection from the dead. That is the gospel. 
I have seen so many people try to sidestep Jesus by bringing up the question about those who have never heard. So let's address that subject today. And of course, you know, they'll say, how could a good God send someone to hell for eternity for not receiving Jesus when that person has never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Has anybody ever been asked that question besides me? Well, if you've never been asked that question, you've not done a very good job of sharing Jesus because if you go out and you try to share Jesus with any number of people, you're going to get asked that question. What about all those people that have never heard? Is God going to sentence them to hell? It's not fair. They never heard. So the question is, how could a good God send someone to hell for eternity for not receiving Jesus when that person never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus in the first place? And then they'll say that person would be ignorant of the gospel. Ignorant means unlearned. And then they would say that would be a monstrous thing for God to do. And see, this question tries to condemn God and justify ignorance. Now, this message, you're going to have to do a little bit of... If you attend this church, you've got to do a little bit of thinking when I preach. I don't just throw cotton candy out to you. You've got to have to think a little bit here today. This question tries to condemn God and justify ignorance. Some even say that the ignorant people, you know, who have never heard the gospel will be saved. How many of you know that can't be right? Because then Jesus would have never sent us to preach the gospel in the first place. Isn't that correct? Just let everybody be ignorant so they'll be saved. That's not true. You see, usually the people who question God's fairness concerning those who have never heard are talking about the darkest regions of the world. Now think about this. What about those in the deepest parts of Africa who have never heard the gospel? Is God going to sentence them to hell? Did you ever think about this? Right here in the United States of America, there's more light of the gospel than there's probably ever been in any nation. And did you know that this nation pretty well lay in darkness and biblical ignorance? Did you ever think about that? Think think about that a minute. How many of you would agree with me that we have more light of the gospel in this nation than probably any other nation it's ever been? Yes or no? We've got we've got churches almost on every corner. We've got churches starting in in almost every school. You you understand what I'm saying? You've got Bibles everywhere. You've got the gospel on television, on radio. You've got it in uh, on the internet. I mean, does this nation have a lot of light or not of the gospel? Yes, but would you also agree with me that there's probably just as much biblical ignorance in this nation as you might find anywhere? Yes or no? I mean, you could probably go just within within five miles of this church right here and you could probably find thousands upon thousands of people that lay in spiritual ignorance. Is that right or not? I know it's right. What about the darkest regions of Africa and people who have never heard What about them? Did you realize that the the cities where Jesus did most of his mighty miracles, did you know that those cities, and how many of you know Jesus is the light, isn't he? 
Is he or isn't he? Are you out there or not? You're going to help me. You're going to have to help me preach a little bit. Let's have a little bit, a little bit of life in you. This is not a morgue or a graveyard. At least it shouldn't be. Okay. Who's the light of life? And did you know that there's people that looked on him and saw the light of life and they're still just, they were still just in as much darkness as you could imagine? The cities that saw his greatest miracles did not repent. It did not believe on him. Isn't that something? Are you following this message so far? Are you, are you all right? What about those who have never heard? Ignorance. Would God send someone who's ignorant to hell? Let me just ask you a question about our legal system right here in the United States. How many of you have ever heard this? Ignorance is no excuse. Yes or no? Let me ask you a question. If you did not pay your taxes for several years and the IRS audited you, could you plead ignorance to them and get away with it? Yes or no? What are they going to do to you if you say, well, I, I, I just didn't know I was supposed to pay taxes. I didn't know I was supposed to pay that tax. I'm just ignorant. What are they, what are they going to do? They're, they're going to fine you. They're going to penalize you. You're going to have to pay interest. And if, if it gets bad enough, they're going to throw you in prison. Is that right? Even as you're saying, well, I was ignorant. You know what ignorant means, unlearned. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. What are they going to do? They're still going to penalize you, right? Interest, penalties, and put you in prison eventually. Is that right or not? So is ignorance an excuse? No. Now, having said that, I want you to go to Romans, the first chapter, and we're going to let God himself answer this question about ignorance. Let's let God himself answer this question about ignorance. Look at Romans 1.18. And... and Really, the question is, is here, are any people totally ignorant of, of God? Are any people that live in the whole world, who've ever lived in the whole world, are any people really ignorant? You mean ignorant means, you know what I mean, unlearned of God. Are anyone really, is any, you understand what I'm saying? Well, all the people that have ever lived, can anybody really stand before God and say, I was, I was ignorant about you, Lord, I was ignorant. Let, let's let God answer that question right here. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. Notice that. What do these people do? They what? What do they do to the truth? They suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. You see that? God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, since when? How far back? Thank you for helping. I appreciate it. It helps me when, when you help me. It helps me when you help me. Does that make good sense? For since when? Since when? Since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are... Did it say vaguely seen? 
clearly seen. Now, now you don't want to argue with this because this is not me talking. This is God talking. For since the creation of the world, His, talking about God's invisible attributes are, how are they seen? Clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So they, this is talking about every person, they are, talking about you and me, they are what? Without what? Without what? Pretty powerful, isn't it? Verse 21. Because though they knew God, and actually that word knew means to know about. They didn't know Him intimately, but they knew about Him. It should read like this. If you go into the Greek, it says, For although they knew about God, they did not glorify Him as God. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Do we have universities full of these kind of people right here in the United States? Yes or no? Thank God for good godly professors, but the godly ones are few and far between. I came out of the education industry. I'm a ma- I was a math teacher. And, and I had, of all the professors, I might have had one or two of them that were Christians. The rest of them were all educated beyond their intellect. Did you get what I just said? Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Oh, by the way, before I go any further, in this nation right here that has all this light of the gospel, do you see that a lot of times animals are exalted above human beings? Yes or no? They'll move heaven and earth to save a nesting ground where a spotted owl might live one day, is that right? But they have no problem killing unborn babies in the womb. Is that right? And we've got all the light in this nation that maybe any nation has ever had of the gospel. Now look at this. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. That's verse 24. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than their creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, So there you have it. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. You know what that's talking about. Lesbianism. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burning their lust for one another, men with men committing what's shameful and receiving themselves a penalty of their error which was due. You know what that's talking about, homosexuality. Do we have that going on in this nation? Okay. Do we have more light in this nation than maybe... Any other nation? Yes or no? I'm going over this because I want you to get it. Now look at this, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Wow. God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. Being filled with all. And then he lists many sins for the sake of time. You can read those. Go to verse 32. Who 
knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those which practice them. Now, I want you to go back to verse 20 and look at the end of that verse. And let's answer this question. Can anybody stand before God and make excuse that they did not know? Because the last verse of the last part of that verse says they are what? They are without what? This is talking about everybody who's ever lived. Now, let's just say a little more about this, because this, this is said that creation itself declares the glory of God. But let's let's look if you would. Go to Romans the tenth chapter. I want you to see something here that most people overlook. Now, if you remember, we started out reading from Romans 10 just a few minutes ago, and we were talking about how preachers are supposed to go forth and preach the gospel. Remember that? How shall they hear without a preacher? How many remembers? We read that about 10 minutes ago. You've got a good memory. 10 minutes ago, we read about preachers going into all the earth. Is that right? How shall they hear without a preacher? But now look at Romans 10, 16. Now, now, now watch this. It says, they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're familiar with that. But, but look at verse 18. Really watch this. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Now, back up a few verses, it's talking about human beings going out as preachers. But verse 18 isn't talking about human beings going out as preachers. Verse 18, let's read verse 18 in the Amplified. They'll put it on the screen, and I want you to look at this. And let's read this in verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for the Scripture says their voice... What voice? That of nature bearing God's message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the far bounds of the world. Now, not only has God sent preachers out, and we read that earlier from Romans 10, but verse 18 says that there's something else that that, that goes forth, and we read about it in Romans, the first chapter, but verse 18 brings it out more. It says, their sound has gone into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. That's quoting from Psalms, the 19th chapter. Turn to Psalm 19 and look at verse 1, and it'll bring it out more clearly. Watch this. This is in the Amplified Bible. You can read it on the screen. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows and proclaims... Now, what declares the glory of God? The what? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows and proclaims His handiwork. Day after day pours forth speech, and night after night shows forth knowledge. There is no speech nor spoken word from the, from the stars. 
Their voice is not heard, yet their voice in evidence goes out through all the earth, their sayings to the end of the world. And what, what are they saying? They're saying that there is a God. God himself says that there's no person that's ever lived that, that if they cannot stand with any excuse as they look at the creation and they look at the heavens and they look, have you ever looked at the stars at night? And only a fool can stand and say, there is no God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You can't look at those stars at night. You can't look at creation itself without being a fool and saying that there is no God. And the Bible itself says, God himself says that his creation proclaims that he is real. You okay? We saw that in Romans 1. We read that about his creation because of it. And then we see it here in, 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 in Romans 10. We see that he sends preachers out and he has his creation showing his glory. And that because of that, everyone is without excuse. Look at Psalm 97 verse 6. New King James here. It'll be on the screen. Look at this. 90, Psalm 97 verse 6. Watch this says the heavens declare his what? His what? His righteousness and all the peoples, did it say some of the peoples? All the people see his glory. See that? All of the people see his glory. And then look at verse 7. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images. That's idols, isn't it? Who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Little g. What does this say? It's saying that everybody that's an idol worshiper, everybody that's in the darkest parts of the world. How many of you know right here in the United States where all this light of the gospel is? Do you, do you know we have idol worshipers? Yes or no? Idol worship is probably worse in this nation than it is in the far reaches of the darkest jungles of Africa. What is an idol? Anytime you put anything ahead of God. Yes or no? But it says here that because the heavens declare his glory and his righteousness and all the people see his glory, that even idol worshipers, according to this verse, should be able to see God himself in his creation and leave that idol worship and turn to the living God. Now listen to this. Upon a closer examination, now this is really interesting. If you go out at night and just look up at the stars, just in doing that, you ought to be able to conclude that God exists. But if you look at the stars closer, has anybody ever been here when I did my series? I did it twice over the last years on the gospel and the stars. And if you study down on those stars, now how many of you know astrology is sinful? That's demonic. But astronomy is a very godly thing, studying the stars. Not for horoscopes, that's evil. But studying the stars, the, the Bible says God calls the stars by name. Is that right? And if you really study the stars, you really do, you find the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the stars. Clearly. 
It's interesting, does anybody remember Christmas time? We talk generally about three wise. How many of you know those magi? There might have been three, probably were three, however many there were. But how did they find Jesus? They found him by studying the... In reality, listen carefully. In reality, it is not that some people have not heard about Jesus. Rather, the problem is that they have rejected what they have heard and what is really seen in nature. So we have the light of creation. And based on the light of creation, no one has excuse. No one can stand before God and say, I didn't know. You okay? Don't argue with me. God said that. But there's something else. Just just throw this in here. Go to Romans, the second chapter in verse 14. Just throw this in and then there's other things I want to say. But there's also, we talked about the light of creation, but the light of conscience. Romans 2.14, notice this, for when Gentiles, now Gentiles are heathen. You know what heathen are without God, right? When, when the Gentiles who do not have the law, you know, the Jews had the law, the Gentiles did not. So it says here that when Gentiles, when heathens, who do not, sinners, if you will, who do not have the law, who don't have the Bible, okay? By nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Not only is there the light of creation, but there's the light of conscience. Not long ago, I was watching, as I do my exercise every other day, I run almost every day and I work on weights every other day and I have a TV in there and I was watching something on one of the news networks and there was a lady came in, came on to television of ill repute. How many of you know what, I, what that means? A lady of ill repute. A heathen. And she sat there and she said, I had an affair with this married man and I knew that it was wrong. Have you ever run into somebody at work that you knew they, were, they, they didn't serve the Lord? They just were just, just, you know, just a heathen. But yet when they told the lie, they knew it was yes or no. Or, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, steal this money, they know it's yes or no. So even though they may not have the Bible, the Bible has just said, even though they don't have the Bible, they have a conscience. I've seen the worst of people, if you will, (laughs) know that, you know, committing adultery was wrong. Yes or no? Have you ever met people like that? They, they wouldn't acknowledge the Bible is true, but yet they know that to have an affair or to lie or to cheat or to steal is. Let me read from my notes. Everyone that I have ever met that's in their right mind. Now listen to me. I have met people who 
were mentally challenged over the years. They were not in their right mind. How many of you know that God is a good God? And, and Abraham said to God, Shall not the judge of this earth do right? And I, I've walked with God a long time. I've studied his word. I, I, the more I've learned, the, how, the more I realize how much I don't know. But I know this much about God. That anybody who has not in their right mind is under the grace of God. Yes, they are. And they'll go into heaven with the babies. Now, I'm not talking about some crazy maniac that goes in and shoots up a church or shoots up a school and they say that they were not in their right mind. I'm not talking about those people. Somebody say amen. But I'm talking about somebody who's, you know that there's a brain malfunction or something? Yes or no? They're, they're under the grace of God. They go into heaven with the babies. But listen to this. Everyone that I have ever met in their, that's been in their right mind over what I would call the age of accountability. How many of you know little kids, they're not accountable until they reach a certain age. But once we all have reached what I call the age of accountability, anybody that's ever been in their right mind any length of time has had the general sense of knowing right from wrong everyone I've ever met. They, even though you've, they've never had the Ten Commandments posted on the wall, and I believe that they ought to be posted in the school, somebody say amen. But people still, without having the Word of God, the Bible says they know right from wrong. It's written on their hearts. So even without noting the light of conscience, what we just talked about, the light of creation is enough to leave all people without excuse before God. Now I want you to go to Ecclesiastes 3.11. Go there very quickly. I found a verse that I think is very interesting. I think you ought to look this up with me or it'll be on the screen. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Now I want to show you what God has put in the hearts of every human being. Notice this. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Now, we'll stop right there. He has put what in their hearts? He has put eternity in everyone's heart. Now, what does that mean? I studied into that. The King James says he has put the world in everyone's heart, but the New King James says eternity. But I studied into that Hebrew word, and it means this. It's very interesting. We're talking about all those who've never heard. This word eternity... It means, of course, a very long time, but it, here's what it really means. This word applies to many things associated with God, such as his decrees. Well, we, re- we just read that a minute ago. Didn't we just read that? His law, even though they don't have, we just read that. It says that it says they don't have the law, but by nature they do the things in the law, although not having the law are a law to themselves. We just read that, but here, this verse says that God has put eternity in everyone's heart. This word means that he has put his decrees, his covenants, and the Messiah. Who would that be? Jesus. The word, that yearning, that longing to know God has been put in everyone's heart. And just about everybody I've ever met, everybody I've ever met, everybody, unless they weren't legitimately in their right mind, 
They've always been interested to some degree or another in the supernatural. Life after death. Is there a God? What, you know, what happens when we die? Everybody I've ever talked to have, have been interested in that subject. I haven't met anybody that hasn't been. This word eternity, listen, I want to say it again. It applies to many things associated with God, such as his decrees, his covenants, and the Messiah. The word describes, also this word describes a span of time in which God is to be obeyed and praised. What's in the heart of every person? I think in the heart of every person, we know that we have just a limited time on this earth. A limited time to make a decision for God. That's, that's put in everybody's heart. We're going to see that God, I, I, I want to go on a few more minutes. We're going to see that God is so good, he's far better than any of us ever thought that he was. Just let me finish this. Go to Jeremiah 29, 13. God says right here through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your, what's in the heart of everyone? Eternity. He says, you'll, you'll, you, he says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you know, you got to listen to this. I've always looked at that verse from my standpoint. I know God, I'm born again, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that verse to me means that, okay, I know God, but I'm going to seek him and get to know him more. That's how I've always looked at that verse, and that's very valid. It's like when I first met my wife. The first day I met her, I didn't know her very well, but I've spent a lot of time with her over the last 30 years, and now I know her a whole lot better. See, I always looked at that verse from that viewpoint. You seek God and you'll find him when you search for him with all your heart. So I looked at that verse and, and it's very valid that we're born again and we spend a lot of time with God and we get to know him more. But this verse could also apply to somebody who does not know God, but yet they look out at the stars and they see the stars, they see the creation, they have that yearning for him and so they seek to find something out about him. Did you get that? And anybody that looks at the creation and says, there's got to be something beyond me. There's got to be something more than man. There's got to be someone that did all this, that created all this. Who is he? I want to find out who he is. And if somebody responds to that, what does God say? He says, when you search for, when that person searches for him with all their heart, what will they do? They will find him. Can you say amen? In fact, Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, you don't have to turn there, but you can read it later. Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, talks about a people who are in idol worship. And God tells them. He says, but if from that point you seek the Lord, you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart. Idol worshipers. This verse teaches us an important principle. If you look at Deuteronomy 4, read the whole chapter, you'll see. Everyone who, now listen to this, everyone who truly seeks after God will find him. If a person truly desires to know God, God will make himself known to that person. Let's think about this. Now I'm going to show you how good God really is. We 
think about what about those who haven't heard? What about those that God, you know, may not reach out to? Listen, God has reached out to everybody. And he's doing a whole lot more to reach out to people than we could ever think. Let's just think about the Ninevites. Has anybody ever heard of the Ninevites? Now, to get who the Ninevites are, think of Nazi Germany. How many of you know those are bad people? Ninevites, similar. But yet, God knew there was something in their hearts that they were, they were, they were open to him. And so God sent somebody to them whose name would be Jonah. Now, the thing about this, and, and, and I've said this before, but it bears repetition... Jonah went into Nineveh, that bad place, and God's reaching out to the Ninevites, a people that you and I probably wouldn't think about reaching out to, but how many of you know God's better than you and me put together? <clears throat> and I want to be more like him. How about you? And, and it is evil people, and they served. Because I wondered, how. Could, I thought about this for a long time. Jonah, he went in there, and all he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they repented from the king to the cow, all the way down, everybody in sackcloth and ashes. And all he did was get up and say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all the record of what, of what he said. And I'm thinking, how, they, they, just, they just repented the whole city from the king to the cow. They're all repenting. That nation served a god, a false god, that was half man and half fish. So what does God do? God sends somebody in there that they'll listen to. And what's better than a man that just got spit up out of a... They're going to listen to him, aren't they? Do you see how good God is there? I, he, I mean, that just excites me. I could run around the room. They're not going to listen to... If I just went in there, they're not going to listen. But if somebody could go in there being spit up out of a fish... They're going to listen to somebody like that. And here comes Jonah. He just, they're serving this God that's, that's, that, 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 that's, that's, that's half man and half fish. So God sends a man in there, Jonah, who gets spit up out of a fish. And he goes in there and preaches. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they repented from the king to the cow. And they all came to God. Can you say amen? That's how much God cared about Nineveh, an evil people. And you can look, and we won't do it, sake of time. I need to speed this up. But Jesus, you study his ministry. He would go out of his way many times. The Bible says he must needs go over here. What does that mean? He said, there's, what does that mean? When the King James said he must needs go to this certain town, it meant that there was people over there who were hungry for him. He must be like little Zacchaeus. He goes up in the tree and Jesus has to go by that way. And he looks up and he says, yeah, I got to come to your house today. Why? Because Zacchaeus' heart, can you see? He went up in a sycamore tree. He was looking for God. Can you say amen? And you see Jesus again and again being, he'd move at the direction of the Holy Spirit, getting to where people were hungry for him so he could show them the light, you see. And then what's really interesting, and you ought to read it in Acts the 8th chapter sometime, but Philip, listen to this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. What did the Bible say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So Philip, he's going around preaching the gospel. He goes to Samaria. They have a great city-wide revival. Multitudes of people getting saved, getting healed and all of that. And then, watch this, listen to me, an angel appears to Philip. Acts 8, you can read it over there. Angel appears to him. Says, go out into the desert. So he goes out into the desert. 
and he finds a eunuch out there. How many remembers that? Yes or no? And there's a eunuch out there, and he's reading. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you. I need to tell you something. The eunuch was from Ethiopia, which is a country on the continent of of Africa. Don't tell me God doesn't care about Africa. Don't tell me God can't get into Africa. The deepest, darkest jungles, God gets there. How does he get there? Through his creation, through the stars. And then if people are hungry, he'll send people. And can you say amen? So God sent Philip out to minister to the eunuch, and he did it using an angel. And so Philip goes out there, and then as he's approaching the chariot, and the eunuch's reading Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, what we know is the 53rd chapter, and he's confused. He's reading, how anybody ever read the Bible and get a little confused? Besides me, you can use a little help. So he's, but God sent somebody. Say amen. And then the Bible says the Spirit of God spoke to Philip, go up to the chariot, and he goes up to the chariot. Now, now in these stories, you see the Spirit of God, you see angels in operation, God going out of his way, going to vast extremes, almost moving heaven and earth, the angels in operation. We're talking about God reaching out to people. God cares about people. And he's using angels, and the Holy Ghost is in operation, but, but he's always using, real loud say, people. And so Philip goes up into the chariot, and he says to the eunuch, he sees he's reading Isaiah 53. He explains, the eunuch says, who, 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 what's this talking about? Who's he talking about here? And, he, and the Bible says he preaches Jesus to this guy. He gets saved. He declares Jesus is the son of God. He gets saved, gets water baptized. Then they come up out of the water. The eunuch is, is transported. He's a poop, just gone. He's gone. Translated. Say translated. You ought to read it in the Acts 8 chapter. He's translated. What does a eunuch do? He takes the gospel back to Africa. Glory to God. And then Philip is transported, and you see that God's moving him from place to place, preaching the gospel. Don't tell me that God is leaving anybody out of being reached. He's more concerned about those people than you and me put together. Did you hear me? And then think about Cornelius. How many remembers Cornelius? And he's a, he's a good man and all of that, but he's lost. He doesn't, he doesn't have the Lord. He doesn't know Jesus. And he's there and he's, he's praying and he's a good family man and all that, but he's hungry. Eternity is in the heart of us all. And he's reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And all of a sudden, there's an angel in his house. And what does the angel tell him to do? Call for... Peter, and he'll come and tell you what you must do. You see, God is, he'll move heaven and earth to get the gospel through to people. But yet, you see that when he's using angels or whatever, people are involved. Because we are commissioned to preach the gospel. Did you hear me? And so the... Angel says, call, call for Peter. So Cornelius calls for Peter. Peter comes over, long story short, he preaches to Cornelius in his household. And Cornelius and his household get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. Isn't that wonderful? 
Think, do you ever think about Saul of Tarsus? How many's ever heard of Saul of Tarsus? Mean guy, persecuting the church. Is that right? But there was something in his heart. I think something got in his heart when he was holding the coats while they stoned Stephen. But then he still goes on persecuting and all of a sudden God in a vision knocks him to the ground and he goes down Saul and he comes up Paul. Don't tell me God doesn't care about people and that he's not interested in getting the gospel through to the hardest of individuals. And then what happens? Saul, who became Paul, goes into the city of Damascus and then there's a man named Ananias. See, there's people involved. He comes over and he ministers to Saul, doesn't he? Yes or no? Oh, and by the way, I need to tell you something. I went and saw, my wife and I went and saw that movie on the Apostle Paul. We saw that the other day. We saw that on Friday. I'd recommend it. Now, it's not going to keep you on the edge of your chair, but it's a great movie. And I'm going to tell you what. At the end of it, I sat there and the Holy Ghost crying on the inside of me and I'm crying, he's crying, I'm crying, he's crying and my wife, you know, she's wanting to be sure I'm okay and I'm crying, he's crying. I'm wondering why. Because it was so clear. You ought to go see the movie and compare the Christianity of that movie, which is true Christianity. That movie shows true Bible Christianity And you look at that Christianity and you compare it to the Christianity that is typically portrayed on the airwaves of this nation. And 98% of the Christianity that you see on television does not match the Christianity of this Bible. And it's tragic. Thank God for the Billy Grahams. You know, he had a great ministry. But most of the rest of them ought to be turned off. And I'm not taking it back. Not all of them, but most of them. And you ought to go see the movie, The Apostle Paul, and then judge true Christianity, the Christianity of this Bible, compared to a lot of the stupidity, I'm not taking it back, that you see in this nation. It'll make, it made the Holy Ghost cry, made me cry. Go to Acts 16. If you really love Jesus, you've got to love this message because we're talking about souls here. Look at this. Acts 16.9. Listen to this. Just a, just a little longer here, but I want, want you to get this. I don't want to let you out too early and shortchange you out of a, 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 a little... <laughs> I don't want to shortchange anybody. You know, that's one reason you don't have the Holy Ghost moving any more than he does. We've got these 30-minute little entertainment sermons going on We need to just be willing to stay and wait on the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean I need to keep you all day, but if we go a few minutes long, it's not going to kill you. Acts 16, 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A what appeared to him? A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. We're talking about the God. We're talking about God using supernatural means to get the gospel to whoever has a hungry heart. He said, "Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, and it talks about the, the, the where they went, verse twelve, and from there to Philippi. Watch this, which is the foremost city of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying." in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out to the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to to women who met there. 
Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was seller of purple and so forth. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So she was hungry, wasn't she? But she needed to hear the gospel. And so there was a vision appeared to Paul in the night to go over there because there was somebody hungry. Do you see that? You know, there's times the Lord wouldn't let Paul go go into a certain place. Right? You know why that was? But because later you'd see that the Holy Ghost would let him go or other people went there. Why didn't he let Paul go into those certain places at certain times? Because evidently the people weren't ready to respond. But at a later time, Paul would be allowed to go or others would. God is in the soul winning business. That's what's on his mind. But so he goes over there, he ministers to these ladies. They get saved and so forth. You can see that in verse 15. Then they, they get water baptized and all that. But there's also, listen to this, there's also somebody over there who is, now listen to this, there's also somebody over there who's a little girl and she's demon possessed. How many remembers her? And they're following Paul, saying, these are men of the Most High God. They show us the way of salvation. Now, she was demon-possessed, but what do you see? There was enough in her that she wanted Jesus. Yes or no? And so Paul, after many days, turned and said to the Spirit, come out of her. The Spirit came out of her. I'm convinced that she got saved. But then something else happened. Now watch this. Now watch this. Something else happened. Paul got thrown in prison, him and Silas. And at the midnight hour, they're what? Singing... Praise to God. And long story short, there's an earthquake. Everybody gets loose from their chains, but the prisoners don't go anywhere. What does that tell you? They all got saved. I think we can conclude that. But then something else happens. The jailer gets saved. His family gets saved. And there's a church started, and that jailer became the pastor. Can you say amen? And God gave Paul a vision in the night. God's concerned about getting the gospel to every person. Amen? You can read the next chapter, Acts 17. You ought to read it. Paul, go, he goes to Athens. I'm not, I don't have time to get into it all. But they're worshiping and they have a, 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 pla, a, a something out there that says to, to the unknown God. And Paul takes that and preaches Jesus to him. You got philosophers in there. How many of you know God is interested in philosophers? God is interested in professors that are educated beyond their intellect. God is interested in everybody. And so he has Paul go in there and take something to the unknown God. And he says, and he preaches Jesus to him. Can you say amen? And on and on and on it goes. Did you ever think about Abraham? How many remembers Abraham? He was, that guy, he was an Ur of the Chaldees with his dad. And he was worshiping the moon and the moon God. Is that right? But yet God saw there was something in him that was hungry. And God appeared to him and he became the father of faith. Can you say amen? I have even heard, and I believe it, that to Muslims, how many of you know God loves Muslims? That, that, that Jesus has been appearing to some of them in dreams. Has anybody ever heard that beside me? I believe it, and I finally found a scripture for it. Would you like to see it? It's in Job, the 33rd chapter, in the 14th verse through 18. I'm almost done, but, but let, just give me, because i got a few good statements here to make, and then we'll close. Job 33, 14. Now, this is Elihu. Now, how many of you know Job had some friends, and he had some friends. Maybe you wouldn't want to have friends like that. And you've got to be careful that you don't 
read in the Bible in Job what his friends are saying and think that's what God is saying because how many of you know the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word? Of, there's no errors. How many of you know the Bible is the inerrant word of the living God? And, and what in, in the book of Job and, and other places, what the people said were accurate. The Bible is true. What they said was accurate. It was accurate what they said, but what they said, God wasn't talking. Did you get what I just said? So you can't base doctrine on the book of Job. Do you understand that? Because sometimes you get a man saying something and the Bible is accurate in that it records what the man said, but what the man said was not inspired. Yet it's inspired that what in the word, the word is inspired. What he said, the Bible records it accurately, but what the man said was not by the spirit of God. Did you get what I just said? Okay, now, but this guy here, Elihu, this, the younger, younger one, if I'm not mistaken, apparently what he's saying to Job here is, is from the Lord. Now look at this, Job thirty-three, fourteen. Would God appear to a Muslim in a vision? Well, sure, watch it. For God may speak in one way, this is verse 14, for God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, will God speak to us in dreams? He will. Now, how many of you have ever had a crazy dream like me? I have this dream recurs. I have to hit a golf ball, and i got a big wall back here, and I don't have room for my backswing. That's a horrible dream. That's a horrible dream. Last night I had a dream. I was on the old tractor trying to get away from somebody. That's just crazy stuff. God's. How many of you have ever dreamed crazy beside me? But I'm here to tell you that God will speak to us in dreams. But if he's really speaking, it will line up with the Bible, won't it? Sure it will. Now watch this. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night. When deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. Why? Because pride will cause a fall. Is that right? Watch this. God, he, God, keeps back his man's soul from, the, from the, the pit, which could mean grave, it could mean hell. How many of you know God can speak things to us in the night that can, if we listen, he can warn us. Of, how many of you know he warned Joseph to get out of Dodge? Is that right? You know what I mean, get out of Dodge? You know, because get out of, get out of Bethlehem, get out of Jerusalem, get out of there because somebody, Herod, was going to have a little, little babies killed. Is that right? Yes or no? So God can warn us. But God can also reach out to somebody that, that, that doesn't know him, but they've looked at the creation. Yes, there is a God. I'm hungry for you. I want to know more about you. And God can speak and reveal himself to that person in a dream or in a vision. I believe it with all of my heart. And God will send people across the, he'll move, he'll go to vast extremes to get his word into the deepest, darkest places in crevices of this world. There's nobody going to stand before God and say, I, I, I have an excuse here. They're without excuse. And he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Powerful, isn't it? I said it's powerful, isn't it? There, there, there's a verse for, to, that shows that God would appear to a Muslim or, 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 or a Buddhist or anybody else that's hungry for him. Okay? Now, let me, let me listen. To, these are some good statements. Now, listen. Instead of debating the fate of those who have never heard, 
we as Christians should be doing our best to make sure they do hear. Yes or no? The Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. I grew up with an individual that kept questioning me about this Mexican. He always talked to me about, what about this little Mexican guy who's never heard about Jesus? What about him? What about him? What about him? And I argued with this guy all, all through my teenage years. He kept, I, what about the, he, I don't know why he used Mexican. He could have used African. He could have used, but he said, what about the little, he said, what about the little Mexican kid that's never heard about Jesus? Is, is God going to condemn him to hell? And I grew up with that. And you know, once I started pastoring this church, I ran into that guy and there he was again. What about the little Mexican kid? And you know what? The Spirit of God began to deal with my heart. Instead of arguing and debating and discussing the eternal fate of this little Mexican fellow, I realized that I needed to do something about it rather than argue about it. I did something about it. We started supporting a missionary in Mexico. Can you say amen? Instead of arguing about this or debating, what about those who haven't heard? Why don't we do something about those who haven't heard? This church has done some things. Diane read read to you earlier. Is it true that God would... now, Now watch this. It is true. It is true that God will use supernatural means to reach the lost. But as we've seen, even in the midst of the supernatural, God still uses pre-people to preach the gospel, doesn't he? Yes or no? God is clear about the method he has chosen to reach the lost, and it is you and me. One person said, we are God's plan A for sharing the gospel, and he really doesn't have a plan B. Yes or no? Now, God will move heaven and earth. He'll have the angels working and everything. But we saw in those stories, he uses people. He sends people, doesn't he? Because the gospel of Jesus must be preached. That's why we hand out gospel tracts each week. Many times, now listen to this. Many times I will find that people have left them behind. Laying on the chairs or floor or under the floor. under Under the chairs on the floor. I've even found myself, I come up the next Sunday, I'll, I'll pick on me, and I found that my, I left my track here from the week before. What does that say about, what kind of people are we? I'm pointing the finger at me, as well as you. If the shoe fits, wear it. And I know a lot of you hand out tracks. But I see tracks left on the floor, on the chairs. I even have done it up here. I'm not trying to motivate by guilt, but dear friends, souls hang in the balance. And if I could motivate you by guilt or any other means, I would do it. We need to be taking these tracks and laying them places. Take, we, we must show more respect for the blood of Jesus and we must love God more and we must love the souls of mankind more than to leave these things lay on the chair. Can you say Amen. And if you've been doing that, repent and make a change. God will forgive you. And let's get out and pass these out. Lay them in strategic places. Can you say amen? amen? Listen to this. If anyone seeks after God based on the light of creation, God will go to vast extents to get the gospel of Jesus to them. Yet there are vast multitudes. Listen to this. 
If anyone seeks after God based on the light of creation, which we've talked about, God will go to vast extents to get the gospel to them of Jesus. We've seen that. But listen, listen to this. Yet there are vast multitudes that could be won to Christ that will not because Christians won't take the time to share the gospel. My mom's a perfect example. She just needed somebody to sit down and tell her about the Lord. And thank God I was able to do that. Let me ask you a question. Is there blood on your hands today? God told a certain prophet, he said, you go warn the sinner. And he said, if you don't, go warn them. If you don't, if you don't go warn them. And they die in their sin, their blood will be on your hands. Did you hear me? This is maybe the, this is maybe, now this statement here is maybe the most powerful one I've made. I'm almost done. I am convinced that in the day of judgment, the lost won't be angry with God as much as they will be angry with you and me and others that didn't take the time to share the gospel with them. That's so powerful. I want you to get that. I'm convinced in the day of judgment, the lost who will be turned into hell won't be as angry with God at all as much as they're going to be angry with you and me. Because we didn't take the time and others, who, Christians, who didn't take the time to share the gospel with them. We had to get to lunch before the Baptist got there. We sit at the table while the waitress comes and we talk bad about this one, that one. No, 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 no. We need to be looking to share Jesus everywhere we go. Yes or no? We talk about dreams and God appearing to people in dreams and I believe that. We just read that. But you know, we also saw where God appears to people in visions and dreams to go share the gospel. We saw that with Paul in Macedonian call when I was a young boy in high school. I had a dream one night and it wasn't one of those funny dreams like I told you about a minute ago where I can't get the golf club back. Club back. This was a dream from God. And he showed me some of my classmates, though I couldn't call their name, but in high school he showed me some of my classmates and I was standing as they were being ushered into hell. I saw this in a dream. And they were being ushered into hell. And as they passed by me, not all of them, but... There was a good number of them. As they were being ushered into hell, they weren't mad with God. But they turned to me, and I didn't even know the gnashing of the teeth was in the Bible at that time. I learned that since. They gnashed their teeth at me in the dream, and here's what they said. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't Why? It was just like this. Why didn't you tell me? That did something to me. So all those years later, I preached a simple gospel message one Sunday morning and we put it on tape. And we got the mailing list of all of them that we could find from a high school class and we sent the gospel to them so that I could have told them. And I told as many of them as I could. So based on what I've said today, It's fruitless to debate the fairness of God sending someone to hell who never had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. God has made it clear.
People are responsible to God for what God has already revealed to them. The Bible says that if people reject this knowledge, God is just in his judgment. Rather than debate God's fairness, let's go into the world and preach his goodness. Say amen. Rather than debate God's fairness, let's go into the world and preach his goodness. God's goodness through the gospel of Jesus Christ leads sinners to repentance. Stand with me if you would. I do not apologize for preaching long today. Stand with me if you would. As I look around this room, I'm doing this by the Holy Ghost here now. This was not in my plans. This is what he wants done. You don't have to come up here. We won't make you do anything. Here, you go give that to somebody this week. This is my little granddaughter. Isn't Jesus wonderful? We're going to do something a little different. I usually make an altar call for salvation. We're going to do that all right, but it's going to be a little